Hello and welcome to the Knowledge at HEC Hard News podcast. I'm Daniel Brown, Chief Editor in the School's Communications Department. Today, HEC professors Eric Mongus and Gaetano Gabalo analyze for us the return of inflation in the world's advanced economies. Prices surging more than they have in 30 years, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. CNN reporter Matt Egan, he's live in Paramus, New Jersey this morning. Uh, Matt, the October inflation report just released. Tell us about the data and what's behind this. I mean, how much of this is the comeback of the economy post-pandemic? Uh, holding back production in some sectors. Inflation is rising. Christine Lagarde, president of the European Central Bank. Primarily because of the surge in energy prices, but also as the recovery in demand is outpacing constrained supply. We foresee inflation rising further in the near term, but then declining in the course of next year. I have said that I would be surprised if oil prices surpassed their 2018 high. Kathy Wood, American investor. That was $77 per barrel. Today we're at $81 per barrel. So I've been wrong on that. And in assessing why we're wrong, um, it's becoming very clear it's not the demand side of the equation. The upswing in inflation figures on both sides of the Atlantic, called reflation, continues to worry governments and the general public. To find out what's behind these increases and to analyze what could happen in the future, we've turned to two HEC academics whose research centers on inflation. Associate Professor Eric Mongus specializes in monetary and macroeconomics. His colleague, Associate Professor Gaetano Gabalo, is a researcher in the same fields, but he's also worked seven years as a senior economist at the Banque de France. To get the ball rolling, I asked Eric Mongus to explain what's behind the inflationary levels for core goods. The main reason currently for broad-based inflation is basically uh, energy prices and commodity prices. So we, we are, you know, Europe and, and the U.S., we, we are not isolated countries. There is the rest of the world as well. And uh, the, the recovery of all those countries throughout the world uh, is putting pressures on energy and also on, on, uh, on, on commodity uh, in general that are needed to produce all the goods that we are currently demanding uh, worldwide. And something else so that, so that has an effect is also that, you know, in Europe we are uh, we're in, the, in this uh, uh, transition in terms of uh, the energy, the kind of energy that we're relying on. And also this, this puts actually pressures on, on, uh, on those uh, energy prices. So currently it's really, really focused, really concentrating in, in those sectors. I think we should keep in mind two aspects. Uh, first of all, the uncertainty on whether this is going to be a temporary uh, change or persistent and as Eric was saying uh, many indicators uh, uh, point to the to the uh, fairly temporary nature of this increase but the truth is that no one knows exactly how this is going to evolve the second is whether this uh, increase in prices is due to um, a, 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 a shortage on the supply side so is, is, a, is, a, is a problem of in the economy in providing the, the goods that people are asking or is um, a, 
the fact that people um, are asking uh, above average and so there is a, there is a, is a demand problem coming from the demand side and this will make a difference in the policy response or at least in the uh, uh, effectiveness of the of the response and we're seeing uh, these shortages in the UK at the moment uh, that uh, that seem to be concerning uh, the the public especially if inflation goes beyond a certain level how much of a threat is it, uh, Eric Mangus, uh, to the economic recovery? So something that is that is key that was perhaps not uh, noticed by everyone in the economy is that central banks have recently in a way, redefined their objectives. So uh, that was the case of the Fed that shifted to what is called average inflation targeting. And for the ECB uh, last year, uh, or uh, also that uh, reviewed its, its its policy and changed a little bit its price stability objective by making this this ob- objective symmetric. So this seems a little bit technical to 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 to, to start with, but it, it has major impact here on what the central banks are going to do uh, to respond to to uh, to this uh, surge to, to to this surge in inflation. The main reason is that. Because of these new objectives, central bank will actually tolerate a little bit of, transit, uh, of, uh, of transitory inflation above their objective. So if the inflation rate is, is above their objective for a, a short period of time, a temporary period of time, this will not push the central bank to raise their, 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 their interest rates. This is key for a very simple reason, that this will not jeopardize the recovery at least to start with. Gaetano Gabalo, you yourself have worked for seven years in, uh, in the bank's uh, system. How do you think uh, they are central to whether their recovery will be impacted by uh, inflation? So the first objective of a central bank is clearly price stability, especially in, uh, at the ECB, in the eurozone. That is the only mandate of the, of the central bank. So the the aspect of the recovery comes uh, to thinking about uh, uh, financial fragility of the eurozone. This is like what the central banks have in mind that um, key to preserve uh, the price stability and the instrument uh, for price stability is also preserving, I mean, or fighting the fragmentation, the financial fragmentation that is in Europe, and in particular the the weakness of uh, public debt in Europe that could generate, we saw that in 2012, crisis that will have consequences for the conduct of monetary policy. So if the recovery is weak, then state governments will have uh, more problem in repaying their debts, and this is a major concern, especially if the, the ECB will be forced or induced to raise rates that will uh, means like more costly debt for, for governments. So in that sense, the recovery is something that the ECB cannot overlook, but is not the center of its mandate, but as a matter of fact enters in the, in the context of how the monetary policy is going to be effective or not. So contrary to the, to the U.S., the ECB has not adopted uh, a, a radical change in the, in, the, in the objective that is pursuing. I mean, in the U.S., they, after a review, they are targeting average inflation. That means that, as Eric said, 
they could tolerate uh, an increase above the threshold. This is not clear for the ECB. So there has been like an indication that they are aiming at more symmetric targets. But symmetric means if before there was a doubt that below 2% was consistent with the objective, now they exclude that below 2% can be something good for the Eurozone. So they are going to fight below 2%, but there is no indication that they are going to not fight above 2%. So um, price stability is still a, a, a central concern for ECB. of net asset purchases under the pandemic emergency purchase program than in the second and third quarters of this year. ECB President Christine Lagarde. We also confirmed our other measures, namely the level of the key ECB interest rates, our forward guidance on their likely future evolution, our purchases under the asset purchase program, our reinvestment policies and our longer-term refinancing operations. We stand ready to adjust all of our instruments as appropriate to ensure that inflation stabilizes at our 2% target over the medium term. Eric Mongus, how much is this unknown territory that we're entering uh, compared to a previous crises with uh, the, the constant uh, unknown of the, the health issues and you know, a possible lockdowns or new variants uh, bringing back a lockdown? Clearly, there are, there are still many unknowns and, and, and we cannot deny this. But on the other hand, it's, it's interesting that uh, now many economists, and, and, and I'm part of them, are making comparison with the 70s, because the 70s was you know, somehow a period where uh, we had also a major change in the, the changes in the economy, and this ended up in a, a period of uh, high and volatile inflation. I think there are many lessons that we can take from the past uh, to, you know, to, to design perhaps better policy today. And I think that's, yeah, that's the, the main message I would have. You know, there are unknowns, but there are things that we believe that are unknown. But in fact, the past has already some experience to share with, 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 with us and to, make, uh, to help us to do, to do better things. Gaetano, uh, an echo of the 70s that uh, we can all usefully learn about? I think is 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 radically different. First, because we, we are still not at that level in terms of inflation rates, but also because we come from a successful uh, decade of inflation stability. Uh, even the, 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 the anchoring of inflation that we are worrying about in Europe, for example, in the last decade, uh, with inflation below 2%, is not that uh, extreme as we as the de anchoring on the on the other side that we experienced in the in the 70s uh, so we have much more uh, reliable institutions in terms of central banks uh, thinking about how to stabilize inflation and uh, we did that well so there was a radical change in the 80s in the conduct of monetary policy with inflation targeting and uh, with uh, with uh, Moving interest rates instead of thinking about the supply of money, and this was effective. Uh, keep inflation stable around developed countries for uh, decades, and uh, this history matters. Is not. I would be very surprised of seeing inflation rate with two digits uh, in Europe or in the U.S. 
we have all the toolbox to to certainly push inflation down. So that is not a major concern. Perhaps just a couple of words about the the seventies. What what was interesting in that period is that no one forecasted uh, the, the the period of high inflation of the the seventies, and it's the same situation today. I think that the best way to avoid something to happen is consider that is this is a potential situation. So inflation, uh, when we say it's a risk, it means that we 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 should think about what you know it may happen, and we have to prepare against it. If we are not preparing, if we are not taking that as a potential risk, we will not perhaps act. And it's not not only a, a question of whether we have the tools. It's a, it's a matter of whether we are going to use the tools and we are going to be willing to use the, the tools. If the, the central bank can always increase rates, but if the central bank sees that it has many effects on the economy, the central bank may not be willing to use that tool. And that's, that's the key issue. And that's what we fear is you know, when it will be the time to raise interest rate to avoid inflation, is the ECB going to move? Is the Fed, uh, is the Fed going to move as well? That's, I think, the key question for the, for, for the future. Yeah, I mean, what Eric is saying is that the real risk is that central banks may lose independence as a matter of fact, in the sense that this financial fragility concern that putting uh, government uh, in, uh, in a bad situation may be so strong that the, the, the central banks may, may lose their independence. I hope, as a citizen, that this will never realize and that uh, we never happen. Never and uh, I hope that there is a much more solid culture on on the the perils of hyperinflation, and uh, this, in the end, is not going to to be a real scenario. I want to hope. No one knows. I share a little bit those uh, that that hope, and what I you know gives me. Some um, reason for, for, for hoping is uh, what I see is that central bankers currently are already talking about the possibility of a, of a government default. In a way, they are preparing for it, which means that they are trying to think about what they are going to do in the bad event. If, you, if everybody knows that you're, the way you are going to, to act in a, in a bad event What economists tell, will, will tell you is that perhaps it will reduce the likelihood of, the, of that bad event. Just to then um, underline how important in that respect is the creation of the European debt, as I said. So that is, for me, the, the big uh, and happy news of the last uh, year or two years. Uh, and I think it was not like uh, random uh, or casual that we saw that arising in a period in which such a tension could materialize and could become a real concern. I, I, I want to hope that, to, in some sense, that Europe is moving in a coherent way, uh, trying to prepare for a situation in which monetary policy uh, cannot do everything and uh, will not be, for sure, the only game in town. Gaetano Gaballo and Eric Mengus, uh, thank you very much uh, for this exchange. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Associate Professors Gaetano Gaballo and Eric Mengus. And since we spoke, prices continue to surge in the energy sector, holding back factory production in Europe and the US. 
HEC academics are following these developments closely as inflation here in France has reached a 13-year high and we see a 30-year high in Spain. Well, that's it for this Knowledge at HEC Hard News podcast. Tune in again in a fortnight when we'll discuss more current affairs with top professors from HEC Paris. Until then, goodbye. Thank you.